Yeah. Well, good morning, church. It is my privilege and honor to be with you this morning, to be able to preach this morning. And um, as maybe you were thinking during that charge, um, <laughs> it's impossible, I think, in certain ways, you know. And as Cameron was speaking this morning, right, uh, that God would be glorified through our weaknesses. Um, as I'm hearing a charge about maintaining uh, a certain conduct, um, I can only but pray and ask God that he would do that work within me because uh, I can't. I can't, right? And um, so I just continue to ask church that you would continue to pray for me because this is nothing that I have deserved. There's no achievement that's gotten me here. Yeah, I did some schooling, but um, um, to be licensed as a minister before Jesus Christ is something far different than education. And so I would just pray that you continue to pray for me because that charge is something no man could ever keep. <laughs> but by God's grace, uh, that's my prayer. So would you join me in prayer as we open up God's word this morning? Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for uh, the ability to open up your word. God, thank you that we have this entire book called the Bible. Lord, your revelation of who you are to us. Lord, you didn't have to do that for us, but Lord, you've, you're so gracious to us by revealing yourself to us. And today, as we open up your word, as we're in the book of Acts, Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts through the power of your Holy Spirit, and that as we leave today, God, we would be encouraged, we would be built up, and Lord, we would be your witnesses today as we go. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, amen, <clears throat> amen. I wanna ask each and every one of us today, do we ever feel inadequate? <laughs> I could tell you right now, I feel inadequate, all right? Do you ever doubt your own abilities? It was just about two weeks ago, uh, as soon as I had some visitors come to my house for, for Christmas, and I was excited to show them our new house and everything like that, I, all of a sudden, we turned on the sinks and there's no water coming out of our sinks, right? And I try the showers and there's no water there. And I was a victim of frozen pipes. Anybody been there before? I can tell there has been a lot because Menards has no more parts. So I know some of you are there this week. And the funny part was that the, the only part that was completely sold out was the removal tools of the mistakes that we made, all right? And so I know that many of us home plumbers were there this, this last couple of weeks. So on December 23rd, the pipes froze. On December 25th, pipe one burst. Yes, I said pipe one. On December 26th, pipe two burst, right? And then on December 28th, my cousin was in town and he was just leaning up against the wall and all of a sudden his backside went right through the wall. And then on December 31st, I called in, I called in my brother and I'm like, dude, we got a problem with our walls. And so we opened it up mold everywhere in the bathroom, all right? And then on January 5th, we go up into the attic and we find 15 improperly installed wires in the attic, all right, against code. Mind you, December, or I'm sorry, January 23rd, baby's coming, okay? And so we're on a timeline. And so I have all these things happening and I'm like, man, what in the world am I supposed to do, right? We all know that I have spent my time um, with books, okay? which means that these hands don't know a thing or two about plumbing and electrical, all right? 
So what am I supposed to do? And by the way, I've realized that every time I come up here to preach on a Sunday, something wild and catastrophic happens at my house. Because if you were here during the summer, you remember, I was telling a story about raccoons in the attic. All right. And so um, the good news through all this is that my illustrations are fresh. All right. These are real fresh, hot off the press. But as all these things are happening in my house, I'm thinking, man, I, I feel so inadequate. What in the world am I doing owning a house? <laughs> I, got, I got no clue how to fix any of these things. And so in the same way, I think in our faith, right, we might feel inadequate at, at, in certain aspects of our faith. We read this book and we agree with it, but there are times we feel very inadequate and we wonder, how am I supposed to actually do that? Every so often here at Bethesda, we invite our missionaries in to speak about the things that they're doing, whether it's globally, you know, internationally, or local missions. And so we'd love to hear them. And so every so often at the same time, we remember the persecuted church around the world. And so every so often we're reminded that we are to share our faith, right? Jesus says to do that, and that's how people and souls might be saved, by us sharing our faith with those who do not yet know Jesus. Which means, all that to say, every so often, probably 95% of us in this room wonder, how am I supposed to do that? This is great that the missionaries do it and that the persecute. How am I supposed to do that? I don't know what to say or do. I don't know how to share my faith. I don't even, I don't even have people to share with, man. I, I'm a, I'm a, I go to a Christian school and I go to church on Sundays. I don't even know who I'm supposed to share my faith with. Right? Maybe for some of you, you're stay-at-home wives of a Christian husband. And you're like, who am I supposed to share my faith with? Or maybe for some of us, ever since COVID, your only coworker is your desk chair and your computer. And you wonder, who am I supposed to share my faith with? And how am I supposed to do that if I don't have all the right answers? And, and I find myself scared of being rejected in my faith. And so maybe in the same way, you feel too inadequate to tell of your faith to someone. Maybe you doubt that you have what it takes. You know, the person, you know, a row over, yeah, that guy, that woman, they know how to share their faith, but me? I don't think I can. I doubt myself, right? And so I bet for most of us, maybe this will hurt a little bit, but I bet for most of us, the number of years that we have been saved is greater than the number of times we've shared our faith. I bet that's true for most of us. I hope it's not, but I bet it is. And so today, I want to answer that question. I want to talk about that question from the scriptures. How can I possibly share my faith if I don't have all the right answers and I find myself scared of being rejected? Right? That's where we're going this morning. So if you have your Bibles, please open up to the book of Acts. Don't go any further than the title page because we're going to start in Acts chapter 1 and we are going to head over to Acts chapter 4 after that. And so... Uh, every time we open up the scriptures, I want to remind us where we're at in the book. Maybe this is your first time ever sitting in church. What's going on? Who's Acts? What are we talking about? Right? Acts is, this is about 30 AD. This is right after Jesus was crucified and has resurrected. All right? And so there's this 40-day period before Jesus has gone off to heaven where he, he's walking around in this glorified body, whatever that means. We'll find out someday. Amen? Anybody? <laughs> Anybody looking forward to that glorified body, right? 2023 <laughs> reminds you just another year older, man. All right. And so the disciples are pumped, right? They're in this in-between of, they got this resurrected friend of theirs, 
And he's still on earth with them. And so they're pumped. They think that this friend, this Lord, this rabbi that they have is alive again. And they can't see, they can't wait to see what this death-defying king can do, right? If this guy can beat death, oh man, what he's gonna do to the Romans, all right? And so their greatest desire as, as Israelites, as, uh, as Jews who are overpowered by this Roman empire, empire who's in their land, their greatest desire is to defeat Rome and get Israel back to the good old days, right? The, Israel's back uh, on top. However, what they don't realize is that Jesus's enemy is not Rome and Jesus's plan isn't for him to build the kingdom, right? Let's, ju- let, let's jump in, in in chapter one, verses six through nine. It says this. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates that the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes in a cloud hid them, hid him from their sight, right? right? These disciples got this big plan, like, man, we are about to take it to the Romans, right? Let's go, this guy beat death. He is going to definitely beat this kingdom. And all of a sudden, Jesus, right? Even, even David Blaine hasn't done this before. He floats all the way up to heaven, right? And behind the clouds, he's gone. And so we see that Jesus, is, Jesus was not concerned about the kingship of Israel at the time. He's, and he says at the same time, I'm not the one that's going to be doing the work. Y'all are doing the work. Right? And we see here that the Son of God provides purpose. We're gonna have three points today. The first is that the Son of God provides purpose. And so Jesus tell his disciples that you are going to be my soldiers? No. You're my warriors? No. My builders? My zealots? No, what word does he use here? You are going to be my witnesses, right? And then he floats into the cloud and disappears. (laughs) Doesn't this seem like a bad business plan? (laughs) Doesn't this seem like a bad idea that's as as a plan destined to fail, right? You just took the best player off the field, right? The one who has just conquered death and, and he's the one that's checking out? For those of you who are Lions fans, forgive me, I try not to use sports too often, but today's just too bad, too good to pass up. Do you know today that the Lions, the Detroit Lions, have a possibility of making the playoffs? (laughs) What in the world? What year are we living in, right? The Lions and playoffs are never in the sentence unless the word in the middle is not going, right? Um, And so the Lions have a chance, right? And, And I want you to know, Since 1957, the Lions have won one playoff game, all right? That's bad, okay? And so what what if the coach today, as they're playing the Packers later tonight, what if the coach says, here's the plan. We're gonna take the best players out and just put the rookies in, right? What's gonna happen in all of Detroit, right? I know Matt Klug is gonna go crazy, and I know John Strebber's gonna go crazy, for sure, right? And I don't know about the rest of you, but that seems like a bad plan, right? We're, We're not gonna do that. And so if we understand how bad of an idea that would be with the Detroit Lions, right? This is a million times worse, right? We're taking God off the planet here and we're putting the kingdom of God and the spreading of his good news 
into the hands of the disciples, right? Yeah, those guys, right? Kind of a mess at times. And so, so he's gone. He gives these weirdly vague instructions like, you're going to be my witnesses, not soldiers, nothing like that. You're going to be my witnesses, but wait until the Holy Spirit comes. And so the Son of God provides purpose for these men, even though they didn't understand what he exactly meant. And we're going to fast forward, right? Pentecost comes, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and the apostles are filled with the Holy Spirit. And man, these guys look nothing like they did before, right? And so right after this, the Holy Spirit comes on them, and Peter and John are, are going around, and they're healing a man. They heal the man uh, through the power of Jesus by using the name of Jesus, right? And then, and then they're arrested for healing a man. That's probably the coolest reason to ever get arrested, all right? And then so they're, they're standing in front of the chief priests and elders, and they're being accused for healing a man, all right? I hope to be guilty of that someday. And now Peter finishes a really bold sermon claiming that Jesus is the only way that you can possibly uh, be right with God, the only way that you can be saved, right into the religious leaders' faces. See what happens as they respond. We're jumping over to chapter four, just probably a couple pages over. Chapter four, we're starting in verse 13. Acts 4, 13 says this. Now, when these men saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they've performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. All right, so these guys clearly look a little bit different than we find them at the end of the Gospels, you know, running away from Jesus. You know, when your friend is betrayed and arrested and everyone scatters, right? They look a little bit different at the time. And so now they're, they're these courageous healers. They got this gospel knowledge and they got conviction despite no schooling, being uneducated, mostly fishermen, right? And we see here, this is our second point for today. The spirit of God transforms people. The spirit of God transforms people, right? They went from mostly fearful, unreliable fishermen and zealots and tax collectors to Bold evangelists. Have you ever stopped to think about the combination of people that Jesus chose as his disciples? It's almost uh, comical, actually. Think about this. There's a man named Simon the Zealot, right? Simon the Zealot was not so different than, than Peter and John asking after Jesus had resurrected, when are we going to go uh, restore Israel? When are we going to go take out the Romans? Right? That's what the zealot wanted to do. This was somebody who was trying to overthrow the Roman Empire by whatever means necessary. Right? So the zealot, he might have been somebody who works in politics. He might do it through legislation. Or he might be, if you watch The Chosen, he's kind of more of an assassin. Right? He, he's practiced his, 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 uh, his assassin tricks. I don't really know what they'd be called. I'm not schooled in the school of an assassination. But... Um, Right? So he's a, he's a Roman assassin, and now, so somebody who wants to take out the Romans, and at the same, in the same team, 
you got this guy named Matthew who's a tax collector, right? Which is somebody who doesn't hate the Romans. He's actually sold himself to the Romans and is benefiting from them being there, right? So you can imagine Simon the Zealot and Matthew must have had some very intense conversations late at night when Jesus wasn't around, right? Then you got Peter, this impulsive man, chopping people's ears off, right? Uh, Jumping into the water. Yeah, Jesus, I'm going, you know? And at the same time, he's on the same team with Doubting Thomas, right? The guy that he, he, needs, he sees Jesus right in front of him, but he needs to, to literally touch the scars to know that it's actually him, right? Peter and Thomas, they must have butted heads constantly. And then that's not to mention that probably half of them, six of them possibly were fishermen, right? Probably not the ideal student, right? It says that they're unschooled. They didn't go to school. They started their own business. That's great, but they weren't necessarily um, schooled scholarly students, right? And so these are the guys that Jesus chooses as his witnesses, right? These, these guys that probably can't even get along together, you will be my witnesses. All right, so a transformation has taken place and these guys look way different since they met Jesus. I think what's amazing, if we look at verse 13 again, it says that uh, these religious leaders were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And I want to ask, when, when people hear you speak, when they interact with you throughout your life, whether it's at work or the grocery store or uh, the secretary of state, right? Do they think that that person must have been with Jesus, right? Do we look any different maybe than somebody who hasn't been with Jesus? Does your family, how about that? That's maybe even more difficult. Does your own spouse say, wow, they must have spent time with Jesus today? Right? Does your own, do your own kids say, they spent time with Jesus? Right? Do, do, have we been transformed by the Spirit of God, or is this Christianity something that we've just kind of incorporated into our old lifestyle? Right? Has it transformed us, or is it just part of our life? And so we see here that these guys are completely transformed. They go from fishermen to purpose-filled and spirit-empowered men. But now they've been told to shut their mouths. Hey, don't speak in that name anymore. And it's kind of a funny request because they healed a man and provided hope, but that's the crime, all right? And so let's see how the transformed disciples deal with these threats now that the Spirit of God is not with them, but in them, all right? We'll see this in in verses 18 through 20 in chapter 4. So again, they, they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. We cannot help speak about what we've seen and heard, right? And so the the third point here today is that the salvation of God compels a testimony, right? The salvation of God compels a testimony. These disciples, they're demanded that they are to shut their mouth. They're supposed to hush But their response is, we can't stop. We can't stop speaking about what we've seen and heard, right? And and literally in the Greek, it literally says, we don't have the power to stop. We are unable to be quiet, right? We're we're, we're unable. Like I I would, excuse me, that was definitely my fault. Uh, We would stop if we could, but we can't, right? We can't. 
Because this is what happens. When something life-changing happens in our life, we, we must speak about it. We must tell about it. That's why when people uh, go on trips, that's when people uh, have babies, right? That's when people do amazing things. They can't stop telling you about it, right? How many times have you, have you seen the same friend that's like, can I please show you a picture of my grandkid? And you're like, oh my goodness, it just looks like a regular baby, right? But for them, it's life-changing, right? It's absolutely life-changing. And I might be doing that in a couple of weeks. Look at my baby. You're like, yeah, it's a normal baby. Great. Right? But it's life-changing. I was watching a commercial just recently and, a, and, a, and a, a soda company, if you will, a pop company comes on and says, life-changing flavor, right? Maybe you've seen this commercial. And all of a sudden I see watermelon Mountain Dew. And I'm like, man, life-changing flavor, huh? I better check that out. Watermelon's my favorite food in the world. So if it's in pop form, it's gotta be amazing, right? So my brother and I, we decided, let's split a watermelon Mountain Dew. And I'm here to tell you, I'm the same man before that day as I am now. (laughs) Didn't make me taller. Didn't make me stronger, that's for sure. I probably have a few more calories on me than than I did before. There's nothing life-changing about that flavor at all. I wouldn't recommend it. There's nothing about it, all right? I haven't been hearing anybody talk about how it's changed their life. There's nothing about watermelon, watermelon Mountain Dew that can change their life, right? Right, a transformed person, though, when something truly is life-changing, you cannot help but witness. You cannot help but witness. The salvation of God compels a testimony, right? And so as we're using the word witness today, I, I did a little bit of um, legal digging, and, and I found out what are, what are witnesses. And so I know there's a few lawyers in the room, so if I'm, if I'm wrong, just quietly pull me aside after the service when nobody's around and tell me, but uh, we're going with this, all right? So in, in court, there's three types of witnesses that can be brought to the stand. The first is an expert witness. This is someone who is a specialist in a certain field. And so, you know, if somebody got hit by a truck and there's a medical injury or something like that, an expert witness might be a doctor, right? That says, I don't think these injuries actually line up with the case. I think this happened before, right? So an expert witness is somebody who's a specialist, but was not there at the scene of the crime. Okay, that's the first type. The second type of witness is a character witness. This person is also not there at the scene of the crime, but is somebody who knows the people that are involved. So maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a pastor, maybe it's a neighbor that says like, hey, I know this guy's being accused of something, but that just doesn't line up. I don't think that's actually what he or she might do. Still not there, but somebody who knows. That's the second type of character witness. And the third witness, the most powerful type of witness that can take a stand is called an eyewitness, right? Somebody who is actually there and saw the real incident, right? Somebody who has actually seen it with their own eyes. And this is definitely the most powerful type of witness, Even one witness can be enough for a jury to convict or to to claim that somebody is guilty. They're moving from innocent to guilty, right? And so why are we talking about witnesses? Jesus says, you're not gonna be my soldiers, my warriors. I don't need that. We got all types of uh, religions and, and, and traditions that do it that way, right? You know what you're gonna be? My witnesses. You've seen, you've heard, now tell, right? You've seen, you've heard, now go tell. And so in a, in a court of law, Right, One person is enough for a conviction, but at times, one person can be unreliable because the further that you are uh, in time away from that incident, right, the less accurate you'll be in your details. But you know one thing? You know, you know what, though? 
If there was 12, I should have asked the lawyer before this, if there were 12 witnesses saying the same thing, I don't think there'd be one jury in the entire United States that won't believe 12 witnesses, right? Never. There's, it's impossible that 12 witnesses could all be wrong about the same event. And that's why Jesus doesn't call for soldiers, but he calls for witnesses because you can't argue a story. You can't argue an experience. You can't argue life change. And so we see these, the, the struggle of the elders that are here in, in, in Acts, right? They see the changed man. They see a healed man right in front of them. And they see these unschooled fishermen who used to fight all the time, uh, filled with boldness and, and courage and speaking out and wisely, right? Filled with godly wisdom. And so they can't deny it. And they don't know what to do, right? The salvation of God compels a testimony, right? And so... To review, right, today, the Son of God provides a purpose, right? For them, it was to be witnesses. The Spirit of God transforms people from timid to courageous. And the salvation of God compels a testimony, right? A saved soul can't help but speak about it. And so today, I want to answer that question. How can I possibly share my faith if I don't have all the right answers and I find myself scared of being rejected? Right, it's great that the disciples did it, but how am I supposed to do it? Right? You, may, you may feel inadequate and not have all the answers. So what in the world are you supposed to do? I want to remind you here from this, from this scripture today that Jesus never called for apologists. Jesus never called for professional uh, arguers and people who can defend the word. Right? Maybe that's your biggest fear, that you might tell somebody about God, and maybe your biggest fear is they say, I don't believe that God even exists. You're like, I don't know anything about that. How am I supposed to answer that question? Right? Here's the deal. Jesus never asked you to be an, an apologist. He asked you to be a witness, right? To speak of what he's done in your life, to speak about what you've seen and heard. And maybe if in your life you're like, I don't have that many stories to tell, look around, right? That's the point of the church. Look what the church, look what Jesus is doing among his church, right? That's why we do prayer requests. Look what God is doing among his church. Do you see that God heals people? Do you see that God moves in lives? You see that there's lives that are changed because of Jesus, right? That's what a witness does. It tells about what they've seen and they've heard. And so if all of us in this room are bold about witnessing, just telling, hey, this is what's happened for me. Maybe you don't believe it, but you can't really argue a story. You can't argue my experience. Jesus never called for professional apologists. He called to be a witness. Simple definition of evangelism by a man named Leif Anderson, a pastor. He says, this is a simple definition of evangelism. Those who know, telling those who don't. I think we complicate it way more than that. We, we come with, I, I, gotta, I gotta be able to refute the Big Bang Theory before I can tell anybody about Jesus. Good luck with that, first of all. Second of all, no, you don't, right? Just be a witness of what has he done in your life. That's so much more compelling when you see what Jesus has done in somebody's life than the very best possible um, apologetic about why the Big Bang Theory doesn't exist, though that has its place, right? That's not what we all need to do, right? It doesn't have to be the Romans road and then a 30-minute testimony of you confronting this person on the sidewalk. It doesn't have to be like that, right? And and I wanna brag on somebody in this room. I'm not gonna name him. But there's somebody in this room who just told me this week that he's usually not necessarily super outward with his faith. He's a little bit nervous. Maybe there's doubt in his mind about sharing his faith. 
And so today, he, 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 first of all, he's made a relationship with his mailman. He tells me this is the best mailman in, in, in the entire county, right? Uh, he noticed as the mailman was walking towards him just this past week, something was off. And so he said, hey, are you okay, man? Are you okay? And, and this man started to say, no, I got to get going. My, my wife uh, has been rushed to the hospital with chest pain, right? And so without even hesitating, this man said, I'm going to pray for you. And he prayed right there on his front lawn. Right, for the first time, maybe he's taking a step of, of, of faith and saying, I'm gonna share my faith with this guy and, and meeting the need of the mailman. Right, and I'm really curious to see how that story goes. And, and I really want, maybe we should pray for that at the end of the service, right? Let's, let's pray, you know what? Let's pray right now. Let's pray for that, that mailman's wife. We're not done, but let's pray for that mailman's wife and that his opportunity with that man will continue to open, right? Let's pray. Father, we just pray for this man. I thank you, Lord, that he took a step of faith and prayed for his mailman in his front yard. <laughs> Lord, I pray that you would reward him for his obedience and his courage. And at the same time, Father, be with that mailman's wife who's in the hospital with chest issues. And God, I pray that there would be a testimony that would be able to be shared because he took a step of faith and you heard the prayers of the church. God, I pray that this would be an opportunity for him to share the gospel. And maybe if this mailman doesn't know you, that he would come to be saved because he took a step of faith and boldness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Right? What if it's that simple? What if it's that simple, praying in your, in your front yard? Right? There's another quote by this a man named D. Elton Trueblood. He's a, he's a pastor. He says this, evangelism is not a professional job for a few trained men but is instead the unrelenting responsibility of every person who belongs to the company of Jesus, right? Though I think it's amazing that we bring in our missionaries and we hear what's going on in Uganda and we hear what's going on in uh, reconciliation ministries and uh, whatever else we support around here. Those are amazing, but guys, evangelism is not just their job. It's all of our jobs, right? We are all to be witnesses for Jesus, right? You don't have to be a licensed minister to be a a minister of Jesus. Uh, a witness of Jesus. And I'm gonna tell you, that doesn't help. That doesn't help, right? The, the, the further, uh, more badges I get does never help me with my boldness, all right? It doesn't help. You don't have to be an apologist. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a missionary. You just have to be someone who's met Jesus and has a story to tell. That's it, right? And so maybe we feel inadequate and I wanna give you the truth. You are inadequate, okay? You are but the one who is in you is not. The one who is in you is far uh, able to do far more than we can even ask or imagine, right? And so you might feel scared, but the story that you have might just save a soul, and you're not alone. And so, you know, I, I mentioned these house, house issues, plumbing and drywall and mold and blah, 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 and electrical. You know what I did? I called the people I could help. <laughs> That's what I did, right? My, my, uh, my brother, my uncle, my other uncle, my brother-in-law, my other brother-in-law, and my dad. And between the six of us, we got the handle, all right? And so, though I don't know the first thing about any of that, even though I have access to YouTube and there's probably videos on all of that stuff, right? When I got these guys in my corner, I feel much more able to get it done. And it's getting done, right? And, and by God's grace, it's gonna be all done before the baby comes, all right? And, and, as, and here's the thing, as fantastic as my family is, guys, we're not talking about these guys. We're talking about the life-breathing, empowering spirit of God, right? And he's not a call away. You don't have to call the Holy Spirit. He's in each and every believer. He's in each and every believer. 
And so how, how can you share your faith if you, if you don't have all the right answers and find yourself scared? No matter what, if it's a kind word at Sam's Club or it's sportsmanship on the soccer field, right? It might be patience at Secretary of State. Come on now, right? It might be prayer on your front lawn for your mailman. Here's the deal. The kingdom grows when witnesses witness. The kingdom grows when witnesses witness, right? Evangelism is less about planning to share the gospel and meeting people on the sidewalk that you don't know, and that's a great way to do it if you're, if you're up for that, right? It's more, but it's less about that and instead being ready and looking for opportunities throughout your daily life. Maybe each and every morning we ought to pray, God, provide an opportunity that I can be a witness for Jesus. Provide an opportunity. And I want to share, you, I want to share with you a quick video, just a couple of minutes, where I think this is one of the best witnesses that I've seen that is going on uh, around us right now. And if you don't know what's going on real quick, there was a man in the NFL named DeMar Hamlin, right? DeMar Hamlin played for the Buffalo Bills. I think even if you don't watch football, you've heard about DeMar Hamlin. If you haven't, DeMar Hamlin was playing football last week and he, he collapsed, his heart stopped, and the entire NFL has been like, or that game was canceled and everyone's been praying and doesn't know what to do, right? This man uh, is in the hospital still. There's a video that I saw that I thought was an amazing way to be a witness for Jesus. Um, football gave me everything, you know, and I think even through the midst of absolute tragedy last night, I think you saw some of the beauty of football mm-hmm. as well, that it's brought us all here together. Um, you know, like this is a little bit different. I heard, I've heard it all day, like thoughts and prayers. And you just heard Scherf and Jonathan Allen say like, all we can do is pray for him. And I've heard the Buffalo Bills organization say that we believe in prayer and maybe this is not the right thing to do, but I want to, it's just on my heart that I want to pray for it him. is. DeMar Hamlin, right, right, right now. Um, I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. Um, God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that your God and coming to you and praying to you um, has impact. We're, we're sad. We're angry. Um, and we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray. Truly come to you and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar, to be with his family, to give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. Um, I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up Damar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. 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 It's beautiful. Respectfully. Right? I think that's an amazing way that this man was able to be a witness for Jesus, right? On ESPN, not a Christian, definitely not a Christian uh, show, right? And uh, this man, who knows? He could lose his job, probably not, but I I think it's, I I love it because it's so raw, right? It's so beautiful, and at the same time, it's so awkward, (laughs) right? What does the other man say uh, at the end? He says, uh, respectfully, right? Uh, He doesn't even really say amen. It's just like awkward and beautiful at the same time, and uh, I think that's maybe what evangelism in our life can look like uh, at times, right? The Holy Spirit is with us, and so I'd encourage you to take those steps, uh, even those momentary things. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to refute the Big Bang Theory. You just have to be a witness for what Jesus has done in your life and take, and take opportunities as they come, right? Share your story with those in your life. It's the way that Jesus told us to build the kingdom, not through power, not through soldiers, not through fighting, but through witnessing, right? And simply, guys, 
The kingdom grows. The kingdom will grow when witnesses witness. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you that there's a, an amazing example, Lord, of the, the boldness that came upon the disciples, Lord, not because of anything except the Holy Spirit being in them. Lord, I thank you that we have the same God as we sing about. We have the same God that showed up at Pentecost. We have the same God that showed up in Acts chapter 4. We have the same God that's, that, that was in the Bible as we have right now. Lord, you are the same God, you're the same Holy Spirit, and you are building the same kingdom as before. And so, Lord, I pray that you would empower each and every one of us with your Holy Spirit. God, fill us with boldness as we go, as we share. Lord, fill, us, fill our lives with opportunities. Lord, help us to have a keen awareness to see the opportunities as they come. God, give us godly discernment. And Lord, most of all, give us courage and boldness because sharing our stories, Lord, is how you say to build the kingdom. We know that the kingdom grows when witnesses witness. Give us boldness as, as we go. Father, bless each one in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'd encourage you, if you, if you need prayer, come up front for elders. Uh, they'll pray for you. And if you've never experienced, right, the Holy Spirit's transforming power as you see these disciples, show up on Wednesday because we're having a, a prayer meeting where we're gonna invite the Holy Spirit into each and every one of our lives. And we're gonna ask him to operate through us and in us, right? Show up on Wednesday because that's exactly what we're praying for. So God bless you as you go today. Go in faith and be witnesses of Jesus Christ.